0: Yeah, she's been in kids for a years. Okay, everyone, thanks for coming today.
1: It's an excellent turnout, uh, I think um, a reflection of the esteem in which our speaker is held. David Shack has, I just did the math, he has been a fixture of Asian studies at Griffith University for 42 years and counting. <laughs> 1976 to present. Uh, David is... Adjunct associate professor at GAI, he's trained in anthropology at UC Berkeley, Ph.D. in 1973. has researched and published on a variety of issues in Chinese and Taiwanese society, including courtship and marriage, family relationships, poverty, beggars, Taiwanese business, culture, and management methods, civil society, and Taiwan Buddhism. And My my favorite study that you did was the one that had you out drinking with Taiwanese businessmen late at night. Oh. Um, many nights in a row
2: um,
1: <laughs> studying their, their socializing practices. His forthcoming book is Civility and Its Development The Experiences of China and Taiwan. It's going to be published this year by Hong Kong University Press. And today, the title of his talk is Conflicting, Competing, and Ambiguous Values in Contemporary Chinese Society.
2: Well, in terms of longevity, I must defer to my esteemed colleague, Colin Brown, who's <laughs> one of the few who've been here longer than I have. <laughs> China has a rich store of values from Confucianism, Taoism, Buddhism, um, and you might say the the new socialist man values that uh, was a a short period of attempt to put into place in China. These are what anthropologists call great tradition values. In other words, they're formalized values that represent the major religions or philosophical schools of a society. So studies of such values can be, under, can be helpful in understanding a state's moral philosophy, its moral and ethical principles, what's deemed right and wrong, uh, acceptable or unacceptable. However, regarding them in this way can be misleading because they are sometimes presumed to depict how people in the society actually behave. This is especially true of those who naively exoticize foreign societies and desire and feel that foreign societies deserve to to preserve their own uh, their their own traditions and so on, uh, uh, or by a, a cultural essentialists, uh, the Chinese certainly fit into this category, who uh, uh, believe very strongly in their own values and push their own values and feel that they're superior to every to to those of others. Our first glance, a quick uh, glance at Chinese society de- de- demonstrates that such uh, assumptions about great tradition values are erroneous. Uh, I recall a book by a group of Australians from ANU, Stephen Boyd and his, Boyd and his group, who talked about Chinese environmentalists. The Chinese are great environmentalists. They, they're Taoists. They really revere nature, and so on. Well, uh, China's the nation that brought us the air apocalypse a couple of years ago. Uh, had, had a country in which much uh, water and soil are polluted. And this isn't simply uh, something of modern times. Hu Bing D, the late historian from the University of Chicago, pointed out that careless farming practices go well back in Chinese uh, history and have done a great deal of damage to the, to the ecosystem. Uh, in the 1970s uh, and 80s, I used to hear from uh, students and academics who'd been to China that oh the Chinese uh, males and females are equal are, are equal. I mean after all Chairman Mao said that women hold up half the sky. Uh, well the five feminists who were arrested last year for demonstrating against sexual harassment on public transport something which is against the law in China but were arrested for it uh, I think would uh, would 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 quibble with that. Um, and there are a number of other examples that I could give. Whereas classicists and philosophers may see their values as moral virtues in their own right, social scientists see them as the well of behavior. Not only moral behavior, but all behavior. There's a tendency to think of of values as those things which are, are valued, which are positive. But social scientists simply see values as the motives, ideas, interpretations that give rise to behavior that can range from laudable to neutral to negative to shameful. Since people commit, moral as, uh, commit immoral as well as moral acts, this means that there are there are values that contend or conflict with a society's moral values, and that the values of, of a society include not only its great tradition values, but also its little tradition, those of its common folk. <coughs> In the paper here, I will uh, discuss these uh, uh, th- these values and and uh, a, a, n- a number of other. Uh, a- aspects of them uh, the fact that uh, there are not only these these great tradition values but there are little tradition values and there's also something in Chinese society called which means hidden for, hidden uh, hidden values the things that in a sense give you an excuse to do the things that you cannot formally do in the society <coughs> Now as mentioned social scientists see a solid link between values and behavior the late Harvard anthropologist Clyde Kluckhone, who was instrumental in de- designing the study of value orientations wrote that values are the thoughts and notions that guide our decisions as to how to behave uh, and this perspective has been has been repeated uh, uh, a number of times by other by other social by by other social scientists whereas Chinese tr- uh, also Chinese great tradition values are relatively concrete: uh, loyalty, uh, being filial, and so on. These are these are fairly fairly concrete and, and easy to understand. Some of the values that, that social scientists look at are much more abstract. For example, a, 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 a study done in the American Southwest by Florence Clackon and Fred Strobeck <coughs> looked at five particular values, that, value orientations. They found to analyze these various groups of people. And they they say that they begin by assuming that there are some fundamental problems that all human societies have to solve, and a a limited variety of solutions to them. Societies can choose from among this variety, but each will choose only one of the solutions at any given time. The five fundamental values they looked at are whether to focus on the past, the present, or the future, whether to master the environment, submit to it, or live in harmony with it, whether to relate to each other's hierarchically as equals or according to individual capabilities, whether people's actions should be aimed at self-expression, growing or achieving, and whether people are by nature good, evil, or a mixture of of each, and whether they can change. Many ordinary people would not see these as values, but simply as the way things are. This is just the way the universe exists. They would not see these as socially constructed decisions that had been made by human beings. Another aspect of the way that social scientists analyze values is they recognize that values can conflict with each other. A society's values that do not give a single clear unidirectional set of instructions as to what is good or how to behave. This is quite clear in Shalom Schwartz's theory of basic human values again addressing basic questions that all societies must answer. He assigns each value to one of six broad categories, which in turn make up three (coughs) conflicting uh, pairs, each of which forms uh, uh, a continuum. He then analyzes these on how they fit into the three continuum. So harmony versus mastery addresses the question of how to relate the use of human and natural resources and the extent to which humans should preserve or change their natural environment. Harmony cultures emphasize preservation and also encourage harmonious human relations. They value world peace, (coughs) unity with nature, safeguarding the environment, and simple living. Mastery cultures uh, uh, prize self-assertiveness, human domination over nature, personal goal achievement, and progress through pragmatic problem solving. As individual behavior traits, they prize ambition, success, daring, and self-sufficiency. Autonomy versus embeddedness deal with how to de- define optimal relations between the individual and the group. To what extent does a culture emphasize personal autonomy as opposed to embeddedness in, in groups? Schwartz bifurcates autonomy into intellectual versus affective, being bro- broad-minded and cu- curious individuals pursuing their own ideas and thoughts as opposed to those who seek personal fulfillment through pleasure, self-indulgement, excitement, and novel experiences, cultures valuing embeddedness, stress status, quo orientation conservatism, order, respect for tradition, and obedience. And egalitarian versus hi- hierarchy focus <clears throat> on how people coordinate to produce the goods and services needed while maintaining the social fabric and minimize disruptive behavior or resentment. Egalitarianism is associated with the moral equivalence of human beings, cooperation, mutual aid, reciprocal concern. Egalitarian cultures value equality, social justice, honesty, and responsibility. We can conclude from this that conflicting values exist in people's minds. They are ordered by importance relative to one another according to the individual and the way an individual might size up a particular situation. So individuals do not necessarily behave in in what others might see as a consistent way because they may define a situation, one situation that seems similar to another in a different way. Press N. N? Oh, next. Okay, next. next. <clears throat> now, in the remainder of the paper, I'll examine uh, some, very important, some very important values in, the, in, uh, in Chinese society. Uh, what I'll call the three F values: fat's face, and family. Fat's is the desire to prosper. You pr- may have seen it in Chinese New Year: gong hei fat choy. Choi is simply the Cantonese pronunciation of fat tai. and it means it's a New year greeting which means uh, happy New Year I hope you you, you prosper throughout the new year uh, prosperity is, a, is is fundamental to a successful family uh, both uh, and uh, it, it also is, is a very significant value in in in, in, in face uh, and the, the, the prestige aspect of face. Um, these values have, have positive effects, but they can also have negative effects uh, given, the, uh, given the particular situation. I'll look at these, and I'll also examine collectivism versus individualism because individualism in particular uh, is integral to understanding some of the uh, values that I'll talk about here. Now, as I mentioned, that the desire to, to, to prosper is to uh, to to fatsai uh, is is extremely important in Chinese society. If you see a Chinese family home at Chinese New Year, there'll be couplets by the side and characters on paper above above the doors and so on, all about being prosperous, hoping that this New Year will be prosperous. On the New Year's Eve meal, the the, eve, the night before before New Year's. Fish will be served, but not eaten, because fish, yu, is, is homophonous with yu, surplus, which means that you then eat the fish the next day, carrying a surplus into the following year. I mean, and, uh, and if you see, for, uh, again, on uh, license plates on cars with lots of eights in them, dollars of donuts, this it's a Chinese person who's driving the car, uh, because eight uh, is pronounced ba which sounds sort of like fa as in fa-tai. So uh, this is the symbolism. I mean, there are thousands of these kinds of symbolisms uh, in, in China. In China, Being prosperous is arguably the most common of Chinese value, and being well-off is absolutely necessary not only to lead the good life but the moral life, to fulfill one's duties to one's parents, ancestors, children, and descendants. A son shows his filiality in the fineness of coffin he can afford for his, for his, his parents. And he may buy the coffin before they're dead <clears throat> to show them, look, this is a nice coffin. This shows you that I will take care of you in the next world, and so on. <clears throat> uh, also being able to, uh, to uh, go through the Chinese prescribed mourning period. Traditionally, this was three years, but discounted to 27 months. But in this period of time, one was not supposed to have a public life, which meant that one needed to be prosperous to be able to carry one's family through this period of time, and so on. Uh, but it's important; uh, prosperity is important because one needs to be able to have sons, more than one if possible, being and have enough enough uh, wealth to be able to attract brides for them to set them up so that they can continue the family, uh, and so on. Uh, and the, the, the goal, the ultimate goal, is five generations under one roof. Uh, something which is extremely difficult, of course, to do. Uh, however, the value of becoming prosperous can conflict with morality in, in, of Chinese moral values. For example, if one acts dishonestly or mercenarily in order to achieve it, and many do. Recent uh, surveys uh, in, in the PRC show that there's a very high level of resentment to those who become rich through uh, illicit means, through having uh, good relationships with officials and things such as this. Although people who get rich on their own, people by doing it through their own efforts, are well respected. Uh, And a value that is important in becoming prosperous is frugality. Taiwanese uh, small and medium enterprise owners whom I interviewed attribute their success to to frugality and hard, being hard-working. Uh, and they were very hard-working. However, illustrating how two values can conflict, becoming prosperous can also give rise to its antithesis, being a big spender and engaging in conspicuous consumption. However, if one can do so, one gains face. So again, there's the interrelationship between, between these values. So moving on to face. Face means it is very highly uh, valued uh, in Chinese society, Uh, with the exception of a small number of egalitarian hunter-gatherer societies in which no one is afforded prestige. Face is probably important in, in, in all societies in the world. Although having a special word for it, again shows its importance, special importance in Chinese society. Face is deeply invested with emotion, and people will take strong actions to protect their face. And it is closely related to status and social honor, anything that brings admiration, respectability, or deference to the individual. Power and ability, and especially uh, and, and especially displayed wealth, enhances face, hence the, uh, the brand consciousness among Chinese. The more expensive the brand, the more desired the product. Um In Hong Kong in the 1980s, the French discovered that the Chinese were the highest per capita consumers of uh, brandy and cognac in the world. And they thought, well, these Chinese must be very sophisticated people. Then they saw how they drank it, mixed with 7-Up and then chugged down like this, and they changed their minds. Um, In Taiwan in the 1980s, when the Taiwanese government was forced to revalue the new Taiwan dollar, Mercedes-Benz told its Taiwan dealers now you can reduce the price of their cars. Oh, no, no, we can't do that. It will reduce the desirability of the cars if they're cheaper. So, important. The other side of the coin is that that one can lose face by being dishonored, snubbed, bested, uh, ignored, or slighted, or or by being forced to in a sense, give in to someone else's leadership or superiority. Uh, And there are uh, a couple of Chinese sayings which illustrate this, which I have. One monk carries water on a pole, so you have a shoulder pole with two buckets of water, and there's water to drink. Two monks carry water on a pole, the pole between the two shoulders with a large bucket in the middle. There's water to drink. With three monks there's no water to drink. Because they quibble with who's the one who has to carry the water. So they, they, there's a lack of cooperation. Another one, again, Chinese saying one Chinese is a dragon, several Chinese are a worm. The problem, again, of cooperating with each other. People being lazy, um, they would rather the other person put forth effort, they're apathetic, because each one wants to tell the others what to do, uh, they, they criticize each other, pull the rug out from each other, and so on an anecdote from a Chinese book. This was a Chinese book by a Chinese author written to Chinese about becoming a teacher. And he says, a foreign boss had four work groups, one composed of Japanese, one of Vietnamese, one of Koreans, and one of Chinese. He decided to give the, uh, a, first, a year-end bonus to a member of each group, but required that the, membership of that the members of that group must first decide on which member of the group would get the reward. The Japanese group came up first. They were first off the mark. They gave it to the most skilled worker. The Vietnamese gave it to the poorest worker. The Koreans gave it to the least skilled worker. After a while, the Chinese came up and they said, we'd rather not have it. We can't decide who to give because each, everybody quarrels as to who should get the reward. Going on to family. Family was a key social group in Chinese society. was sanctified by multiple values, in particular filiality, uh, the five relationships, which order uh, things such as uh, order society by gender, uh, age, and generation, uh, and by the notion that everyone should should maintain their place in society, know their place. It thus laid a, high, a claim to a high degree of loyalty and dedication from its members. Part of the family's strength lay in its being corporate, an economic unit in which people which members contributed their labor and from which they drew their sustenance and its timelessness, its inclusion of past, present and future generations. Family survival was uh, family survival and a possible expansion was as essential for both material and ideological reasons. but its strength and centrality were also sources for negative or undesirable phenomena. For example, The desire to expand the family in each generation, the notion of more sons means more prosperity, uh, resulted in the Chinese being overpopulated throughout most of its history. Chinese society was at carrying capacity virtually from the Han Dynasty uh, until the present day, with the exception of times of great social unrest, in which the the, Population would be reduced by a quarter to a third, but then as soon as, pro- uh, as, soon as peace was restored, it would build back up again. Um, <clears throat> anthropologist Fei Xiaotong created a model of rural Chinese society called differential modes of association. A series of concentric circles with ego, the person involved at the, at the center, and then the next circle is the immediate family. The one after that is the other kin in the, in the village. Then kin outside the village and, and a few uh, other relationships with friends and so on, workmates. And then outside of that are strangers. Strangers are people uh, with whom, from whom nothing is expected and from whom one expects, expects the worst. And so there's a great, deal, a, a great lack of trust uh, in, in Chinese society. Uh, surveys of <clears throat> migrant workers show that they, they mainly trust people from their home areas. Uh, in research on Taiwanese factories in the Peru River Delta region, I found again that people stuck wor- workers stuck with people from their own home county home counties basically was a dialect as well, so you could very easily tell someone from a different county by the way they spoke uh, but these were the people who you had to be part of because they were your own they were your protection. <clears throat> uh, Familism and its emphasis on kinship was, as a sole focus of concern can also militate against helping others in distress and being unsympathetic to people one does not know. According to Lin Yutang, Lin Yutang was a very famous uh, author, philosopher, and so on uh, throughout probably from the 1930s through the 1970s. Uh, and uh, Lin, in, in one of his books, uh, introducing Chinese society to an English-speaking audience. He said, the family are, China is a, notion, a nation of individualists. They are family-minded, not social-minded. The family mind is only a form of magnified selfishness. He argued that because of the devotion that people have to their own families, being involved in society, uh, outside the family, far from being praiseworthy, is discouraged. And he blames this on the Confucian Five relationships which we just talked about. Ruler to subject, father to son, husband to wife, elder brother to younger brother, and friend to friend. Missing, he said, is man's social obligations toward the stranger, and great and catastrophic was the omission. Samaritan virtue, he said, was unknown and practically uh, discouraged. The family with its friend became a walled castle with the greatest communistic cooperation and mutual help within, but coldly <coughs> indifferent toward and fortified against the world without. In the end, it, as it worked out, the family became a wall castle in which everything, was, which, which everything else was legitimate loot. <coughs> uh, finally, we could say that the strong valuation of the family and, uh, kin, and, kin, and kinship people Produce behavior that contrasts with a number of positive moral values uh, such as benevolence, propriety, sincerity, harmony, and so on. Uh, and the, the, the duty to, to get benefits one family carried with it the possibility of inducing people to engage in dishonest or unjust practices. Moreover, the intense dedication to the family had the effect of atomizing Chinese society, creating what was called the plate of loose sand. This is the way Sun (laughs) yat Sen uh, and Liang Qichao described Chinese society. It's many, many pieces, but no cohesion among them. And this was characteristic of the uh, late Qing and early Republican uh, intellectuals in China. Now an element running through the less positive and moralist, uh, or moral behavior associated with values analyzed above is individualistic or egocentric behavior. Uh, this may be mildly surprising in that individual has a very negative association in Chinese culture and is counterintuitive in that both Chinese and Western accounts regard the Chinese as strongly oriented toward collectivism, both as a moral norm and a cultural preference. Gerd Hofstede, in his study of IBM middle managers, found the Chinese society to be highly collectivist based on the degree of interdependence beyond the immediate family and the extent to which they just define their self image in terms of we rather than I. Uh, he may be correct there, but he simply neglected to look at a lot of other aspects uh, of Chinese <coughs> culture and society. While most family households were small and fluctuated between two and three generations, uh, uh, depending on their place in the family cycle, uh, the family was a cer- certainly a collectivist organization. Collectivists in the, 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 the nuclear family or this family household up to the large lineages. Some lineages in China have been described as consisting of something like 10,000 members over a number of contiguous villages. Uh, or a number of studies of these done in the 1950s uh, and 60s. <clears throat> uh, so you do have this strong notion of collectivism uh, within one's family or what, what the Chinese call zi ren or insiders, people, who are, people whom one knows. Uh, <clears throat> Some Chinese also regard the imperial governance system a charismatic emperor exercising a high degree, high level of control over his subjects as being collective. Uh, and this part of the paper, I must uh, 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 speak, uh, state my indebtedness to a conference that was held in California in April of 1989 a, a group of Chinese intellectuals and some well-known China scholars. Uh, discussing all kinds of things in Chinese society. But one of the sections they discussed, they discussed, they talked about individualism. Chen Kaige, the director, notes that ancient Chinese saying that all lands under the sun are the kings and all inhabitants of the land are subject to him. Chinese words and concepts associated with the individualism or with the individual or private are seen as negative or selfish. For example, private liquor is bootleg. Uh, uh, private running away is to elope to get married without the family's position, p- uh, permission and so on. Uh, according to Song Jia, the, the term for individualism, uh implies me first or egotism. And Wang Roche says that in the Maoist period, individual was seen, was seen as the class nature of the bourgeoisie. Moreover, the Maoist period created this hero, Lei Feng, who epitomized selflessness, selflessness to the extent of, of self-abnegation. Uh, he was, said that I'm nothing more than a rust-proof screw. I simply hold things together. Whatever Chairman Mao wants, whatever the party wants, that's what I do. In a sense, a person with no will of his own. Uh, Nevertheless, the negative connotations of individualism, uh, despite the negative connotations, there is evidence that even respectable people acting on the basis of individual consciousness in Chinese society uh, and people following their individual pursuits. uh, Andrew Nathan uh, notes a a number of these people. And this is also true in in grassroots society. this, this expression of individualism. When I did my first field research in Taiwan in 19, 1969 to 70, it was not uncommon at that time for teenagers to keep diaries. And a diary is where you express who you are. And these are you know, something that's rarely shown to anyone else. But it's, it's you. Um, people prize names that were, uh, that were unusual or, uh, and so on. And you see this sometimes in English classes, where students would give themselves an English name. One person I had in an English class called himself Shadow, because he practiced Taijiquan, Chinese shadow boxing. Well, Someone from the United States who's as old as I am remembers who knows what evil lurks in the heart of men. The shadow knows. <laughs> shadow Lamont Cranston who could turn himself invisible and solve crimes. Uh, A fad began in the 1980s in which 18- and 19-year-old women would have a photo shoot, close to 100 photos of themselves, including nude shots, to record themselves as what they believed to be the height of your beauty, of their beauty. So from 20 on, you're going downhill, nothing you can do about it. Uh, And of course, Chinese uh, are, are avid takers of selfies and want themselves to, to be in the center uh, stage of photos snapped at famous at famous tourist sites. During the economic development of Taiwan from the late 1960s and 70s, Taiwan spun tens of thousands of small and medium enterprises because, Chinese, because the people said, I'd rather be the head of a chicken than the tail of an ox. In other words, I, I want my own business because nobody makes money working for somebody else. Um uh, now as for collectivism Chinese as they say if collectivism is a good supposedly in Chinese society despite its positive associations it has its downsides Chen kai gug and ding ding shui Liang both associate social disorder with the weakening of the collective system by which they refer to the rule of an emperor not an autocrat ding states if collectivism is imposed on individuals in any society the, mo- the moment the coercion to collectivize is gone, re- regardless of whether the coercion came from the government, the church, or the army, then collectivism will, will collapse and be replaced by unrestrained egoism. Uh, some, uh, there are a number of philosophers, who, uh, Chinese philosophers, present-day philosophers, who say that this is the, well, the problem now in China, that since the, the, the reforms, when China, in a sense, abandoned its attempt to inculcate new socialist man morality into the people before it had been inculcated and simply left it open to the market that the Chinese were, in a sense, morally rudderless and that this accounts for the, uh, uh, the, the uh, crisis in, 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 in morality in China today. Ding also notes that the result of the unfettering of individuals results in in the difficulty Chinese have in cooperating. The Chinese, he said, view things hierarchically. So relationships with other people are of superiority or inferiority. Equality never comes into it. When When the Chinese discuss an issue, someone will inevitably stand up and attack the speaker even before he's finished. If you disagree with or criticize the speaker, you will never become friends it is hard to discuss anything on an equal footing. I have no problem exchanging ideas in a calm and good-humored way with my American friends, but it's nearly impossible to do the same with my compatriots. It's just this despotic temperament that we all share. A, A related problem to this is a lack of a model of a benevolent or democratic leadership. Leaders are dictators, as are those who replace them. As retired PRC official Li Ray recently stated, those who attain power change. I've come across many such people. Karma Hinton, who spent her first 21 years in China and attended the same middle school as Xi Jinping, although she's four years, I think, his his senior, stated that Chinese pro-democracy activists know what they're fighting against but they don't know what they're fighting for. When students took over during the Cultural Revolution, they wanted freedom, but they ended up acting high-handedly toward those with different ideas. Ding uh, amplifies her observation. He says, this is reflected in the personalities of Chinese leaders. Mao achieved popular support to oust Chiang Kai-shek, using anti-despotism as his rallying cry, only to become a new dictator in himself. Deng led the critique of Mao, but he became Mao II. The student movement is aimed at overthrowing the Deng regime, but if they do so, a Deng II will appear. There are three folk <coughs> values that are relevant to this. Yeah. Um, where am I? <clears throat> the first, uh, Zheng Shen Kong ho. Zheng konghou. Kong konghou means to... Want to, to, to compete to be the first, and to fear being to fear being left behind. Uh, another is to to chirk to eat to eat a, a loss to suffer a loss. Now so in some of these losses, some of these their uses these can be good, but it also can mean in a sense unfettered competition. Uh, a number of Chinese have told me that, that Chinese parents. Push their kids very hard. No, you've got to be first. You've got to be first. You've got to get ahead of that person. You know, you've got to be up there at the very at the very front because that way you get the teacher's attention, and that way you'll get a better education, and so on. So they push this notion in the, in in their children. Uh, but it, I, I, I've also heard it describing uh, describe, uh, these terms used in describing a, a, a driver who will speed up to close the gap. Uh, ahead of him in order to prevent another car from from getting into into that space in the lane. Uh, And if you're in the wrong lane to try to get off on a freeway and you need to move over, good luck to you. Uh, It sometimes can be very, very difficult. Uh, uh, Another example of this, outside of this, is if you recall, uh, Trump, not long ago, elbowing the Montenegrin prime minister so he could get in front of the, the group photograph. Uh, not, not restricted to the Chinese. Chukui refers to suffering a loss. Not updating one's computer software or virus protection puts one in danger of suffering a loss through a hacking or a crash, uh, and so on. But it can also mean a reluctance to extend a courtesy to another because one fears that, that this will cause one to fall behind or because one does not, is not, does not trust the other to be willing to reciprocate. For example, not dimming one's lights when sees it, sees an oncoming car on the freeway because one is afraid that the other driver, if you dim your lights and the other driver doesn't, you will <clears throat> Uh I once said to a, a, a Beijing tra- tra- driver, this was quite some time ago in Beijing, uh, we were at a level, a level crossing. And so there are cars going this way and cars going this way at the level crossing. And so cars from this lane come into this lane, cars from this lane come into this lane, so when the gates go up, You've got two lanes of traffic facing each other, and people have to weave around to get through. And I said to the driver, I said, you know, if everybody obeyed the traffic rules, people, everyone would get to their where they're going more quickly. And he says, yes, but people are afraid they'll suffer a loss. And if I let you in, somebody else won't let me in. <clears throat> a related concept is to take unfair advantage of someone, to sponge to benefit at someone else's expense. It can refer to picking on or demanding favors from goods from someone smaller, trying to pay a smaller power bill by tampering with the electricity meter, short-waiting customers, and so on. Some Chinese tourists engage in taking advantage. There's a short video on YouTube of Chinese tourists in a buffet in Thailand taking plate upon plate stacked with prawns because they're afraid that if they don't get them, somebody else might. And then when they leave, of course, half the prawns are left. (coughs) This sort of thing. Taking public goods is another such example, such as the rash uh, in, in, in Tianjin, there were little hammers uh, on the buses where you break the glass to sound the emergency alarm. People would steal these to use as home as, as walnut crackers. Uh, uh, or re- more recently, uh, at Tiantan Park in, in Beijing, there was uh, where, where the tourists go, so there's toilet paper in there in the in the in the, loos, the public loos. And they found out that elderly people were taking lots and lots of this toilet paper. So they started having the toilet paper dispensed in the wash washing up area with closed circuit cameras to make sure that they couldn't do this. Uh, <clears throat> this goes on. All right. To conclude, what I've said in this paper, basically, is that Society's values go well beyond those of the great uh, tradition enjoyments toward moral behavior and include the ideas that motivate all kinds of actions aimed at achieving desired incomes. It's also shown that outcomes are multifaceted, that pursuing valued outcomes can have unconsidered and un- unwelcome outcomes. Finally, I've shown that accepting what people say about themselves and failing to explore such statement, thoroughly can lead to a misconception such as erroneously uh, labeling Chinese as collective when in fact there is a good uh, many aspects of Chinese uh, behavior in which they pursue individual desires. The result is an idealized, the result is an idealized, essentialized depiction of a society that is incomplete. Thank you. Okay, it's
1: open to questions. Just catch my eye and I'll write your name
0: yeah. Well, I I told you before they are very skeptical about the cultural explanations of behavior. I mean, because you know, I'm a trained economist, it's basically a lot of the, the systems and in, incentives and, and uh, enforcement. So, it, in a sense that you know, the collectivism came about because you, know, you can't rely on the on the markets, for example, and and also the rule of law, whereby you know rules will be enforced. Or once you have that market and exchange where you don't need special connections to get your lean meats where you can just go to the shop to buy, you have the means to do so, and then a certain level of enforcement, then a lot of this sort of behavior would uh, would, uh, would 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 uh, disappear. I, I like you, I mean I, you know, I was a so pole, you know, you know, piling up our prawns and pushing people away. And in a sense I understand it because Especially in a middle of the new world rich from the village, years of poverty, uh, it's, uh, it's a different, uh, different, uh, different mindset. So I'm just wondering, to what extent are these sort of cultural explanations, in a, uh, or is it good? It is a lot? Is a result of the system of incentives and law and so on?
2: Well, um, look. Values are basically expressions of what is desired, and yes, lean meat is desired prawns are desired toilet paper is desired uh and it's it's what people uh, do to uh, to get this sort of thing uh I think that a lot of this behavior and I, this is and i've written a lot about a lot of this sort of stuff in my in the book on civility, but i think i think there probably is going to be a change in some of this behavior as the younger generation uh, grows up. Uh, but um, because people in the older generations were used to scarcities. And it's true that sometimes there'd be an announcement that there is a certain good that's available. And if you don't get f- close enough in line to be one of the people who get it, you do lose out. Uh, and so, you know, there, there isn't crowding and things like that. and So this, this may change, some of this may change with the younger generation. How much is, is a good question. Um, and again, in the book on civility, I compare Taiwan with China. Now Taiwan, when I first went to Taiwan in 1959, Taiwan was basically the same as China was. Uh, but Taiwan has changed as it democratized, as it became more prosperous. Uh, and it, but it's changed in a, in, a, in a number of different ways. And I, some of the ways it's changed, there are ways I don't think that the, I mean, democratization, for example, that's not going to happen in China for it, in any kind kind of time period that we can we can imagine. I don't think.
0: I think that, uh, you mentioned elites earlier on. Uh, I think in one of the earlier slides, and I was wondering to what extent uh, various values vary with the classes, especially as you know we're witnessing change from Marxism into I mean, whatever has left of Marxism. So the class dimension, how are they different between the two,
2: and how is the democratization of China, or let's say more the tradition towards capitalism, how is that influencing the class dynamics? Well, I mean some of the some of the so, some of the behavior I don't think you'd find among, among better educated people. Um, I was once in the Beijing airport waiting for a, a flight to, to Xiamen. And the waiting room was quiet, and then all of a sudden a whole bunch of tourists came in, speaking in a local dialect. They were going to Xiamen, too, someplace in the countryside. And first of all, the noise level was incredible. But then when they announced the flight... You know, and would you please line up and you know row rows such and such. There, and boom! Just everybody rushes, as if if I don't get on quickly, I won't get a seat. And then, of course, when they got on the plane, half of them sat in the wrong seats and they had to be moved by the by the the uh, the, the air, air, air crew and so on. You wouldn't see that among better educated middle class people. I think this is a this is something which in a sense came about because of, uh, of what happened during, uh, during a lot of the collectivist period. In terms of ideology, um, I don't think that there were ever all that many real Marxists in China. Uh, I think a lot of people had to pay lip service to it and so on. They had to be educated in it. Uh, but Chinese are very good test takers. They know what the desired answer is, whether they believe it or not. They know what it is, and that's what they give you. Um, and you know, so I think the number of you know, people who are really dyed-in-the-wool Marxists, they're, they're very small. In fact, uh, lately the, uh, uh, the website for one of these groups has been shut down by the government.
0: All the true believers were purged on paper. <laughs> I think um, I'll put
1: you on the uh, so Ian's up next
3: uh, thanks uh, thanks David um, I wanted to draw you out again on, on this issue of the contrast between between the PRC and Taiwan and what it might tell us so um, so I I, and I sort of you know having 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 recently been in Taiwan and having had the had having, having the, the the propaganda message about, you know, democratization okay. has produced better manners, has produced greater civility, has produced like more individualism, and, and so on. I was still left with wondering about the effects of other kinds of events. So about? About, about other, other, the effects of other factors. So one, one thing that I really wonder about is the effect of tra- traumas you know, of really profound social traumas that produce that do produce different kinds of behaviour, even in societies that have deeply rooted grand traditions as you're saying, as well as those folk traditions. So so let me ask the difficult question. What's the effect of of you know of the Great Leap Forward, of the Cultural Revolution, of, of, of that on behaviour? In, you know in Taiwan you've got the white terror and you've got all those things as well but they're not as they're not as serious and significant and socially dislocated so what's the effect of that kind of violent trauma and upheaval on a society in terms of manners and behavior well uh,
2: in terms of in terms of what happened in the PRC when I first began to do research on Taiwanese businessmen they kept saying to me that it was the Culture Revolution, which destroyed the old morality in China, uh, and then Chinese themselves began saying it, and they began when they went, started going as tourists to Taiwan, they'd say, "Oh, you see, the Taiwanese have preserved our traditions." Well, neither of these is true. I don't. It, um, Chiang Kai-shek had what he called the New Life Movement in the in the 1930s, in which he was trying to teach manners and civility. Or impose Chinese manners and civility on on the Chinese population. So this wasn't destroyed by the Cultural Revolution. It was there in the ideals, but it was it was never there widespread in society. Uh, what the, what i get what I get from people from the PRC is that, is that it's not they don't lose face in the ideals. They think that the ideals were somehow, in a sense, disrupted by what happened in society. In terms of the white uh, the, the terror, the 228 incidents, uh, things such as that in Taiwan, I don't think this is... All right, the, there are two effects of this. Uh, in a sense, they're related. One of them is uh, that there is no desire whatever in Taiwan. To be part, to become part of 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 mainland China, become part of the PRC, except among a few old, mainly older mainland people who came from the mainland. Uh, And now, if you say to a if you say to a Taiwanese, if you you mention to a Chinese, you Chinese, we're not Chinese. We are Taiwanese. It's very strong, but they're not. If you ask, I think some young people would reject the notion of filiality as it's understood, but it can be understood in ways that are quite extreme. Um, When I first went to to, 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 to Beijing in 2009 to teach, just before that time, some university professor had told his students, well, when you go home over the holiday, over the New Year holiday, you show your filiality by washing your parents' feet. So I had my students write an essay on that, and most of them thought it was nonsense. You know, uh, so a lot of young people, you know, yes, I, I should help my parents. I should take care of my parents. I should, I should, you know, love my parents and so on. But you know, being putting yourself in such a, a position of servitude, you no, know, they, they don't, they don't, they don't agree with that at all. Uh, but you know, it, is this? come from social traumas or does it come from great modernization where people no longer live in villages they no longer live in large families especially you've had the one child policy which has disrupt, disrupted all kinds of things in families um, that, and this, this I think is, is far more responsible for the change also there's a Chinese term in wealth but doesn't understand wealth Chinese now cannot, you, you talk to a Chinese young person about how poor their parents were, and as the Chinese say, it's like pitching woo to a cow. They cannot possibly understand it. And one of our former colleagues, wife, who is from uh, the Suzhou area, whose father used to say to her, Oh, you don't, I was very, very poor when I was a child, and she would say back, Father, you were poor, but I'm not poor. No, they, they live in completely different circumstances, so and that's that I think has been far more disruptive, and it's disruptive, if you will, or simply a change agent in Chinese society than than the campaigns have been. Uh, the campaigns' effect on some people was that don't reveal anything to anybody uh, because that's how a lot of people got burned during the Cultural Revolution. But again, I think that's a small number of people. Okay, we'll take uh, the next two questions together. I think so. so just a,
4: a, a couple of quick ones. First up, the three uh, Fs. Um, I I missed where those three Fs ca- came from. Why not? Why not the three Ps or all the three Qs? What sort of what What's so important about the the uh, the three uh, Fs? Who who's chosen that? Um, and the second one was, and sort of picking up the the, the points about structural sort of reasons for for uh, Chinese values, are, are some of the values that, that you've spoken about values you would expect in societies which are which are uh, very large, or are they specifically if, sort of if you like, hand Chinese values? Would would would, would some of these values, other large, uh, uh, other other societies which are which are which are very large also
0: have? Okay.
4: My question is about the three Fs as well. I'm just wondering that there would be situations when they would come into conflict and um, sort of re- wrestling for supremacy, if you like. For example, perhaps bribing a, t- a teacher to get a better result for your student might might lead, lead to prosperity, but it also might lead to a loss of face. So is there is sort of a
0: constant tension
4: between we'll only
2: if it's found out.
0: <laughs> well, at least with the professor, presumably. So. Um. Get.
2: Okay. I'm not quite sure what your question is. I'm uh, sorry?
4: The 3 absolute structures.
2: Well, okay. Um, sure, the, these are values in all societies. They, they're manifested, but they can be manifested differently in different societies as well. Um, again, prosperity it, it is important simply to to lead a decent life. To be able to support a family and so on, uh, and you know this is the uh, the basic sort of thing, and of course the more prosperity you have in that sense, um, uh, the better. Um, family is important in all societies; it's, it's manifested differently. Um, the idea that uh, and it's and it, and that, that in itself is changing. Uh, one of my Taiwanese friends, who's now probably 60-something, uh, told me once, he said, you know, if my mother was still alive at the time, if my mother ever wanted to come and live with us, there'd be absolutely no question, but I would never expect my, my kids to, in a sense, welcome me to live with them later on. So these sorts of ideas are changing. Um, face, yes, face is important. In, 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 in all societies, it's just that in in a sense, it becomes special because Chinese have a have a, a word to, to to express it. Uh, I think uh, that that's that's about all I can say. I'm not sure. If, uh, I mean, I, I think that a lot of the again, if you look at the the values, the great tradition values in Chinese society, honesty, integrity, uh, faithfulness. Uh, um, Love, these sorts of things, again, are found everywhere, but they're, they're manifested differently. Um, there was a debate in Chinese society back 2,500 years ago, 2,300, 200 years ago, something like that, uh, between should love be special? Should, the, the question was, could you love another man as, well, as much as you love your own father? Well, one of the well-known philosophers, Maud, uh, pre- uh, pre- he preached universal love. And this, this sort of idea comes up again in, after the, in the 20th century with the chi Chao talking about how the, 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 there is no, there, there is no v- value on, on being kind to strangers, being kind to people outside your own family. Uh, and this is echoed by a number of other people. Um, in Taiwan in the 1980s, a well-known public servant uh, posted the idea of the sixth relationship, the relationship between a person and society. Uh, to, to you know, to expand this no, notion that people should revere not only their family members and so on, but should revere uh, society as a whole. I'm not sure I've answered your question, but oh, you,
4: you have, I suppose, in, in that um, the values then are con 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 attention, if you like. There's. Um, if 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 you had another another side that was what that was what they would say, one point three billion people, their values would be would be different. They would they would not they would not be the same. While the, while there might be core issues that that uh, that they share, they'll be manifested differently. So 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 their values are are unique, if you like. Their contention, their path, to they they just they they just depend upon how things worked out.
2: Yeah. Okay.
4: Um. That, that's what
2: I'm assuming, uh, I mean, an- an- another quick example. Um, mm-hmm. Once a-, a young Chinese woman in Michigan, and I was teaching there, asked me, you know, what's the difference between you know, a Western family and a Chinese family? And I thought for a minute, and I said, have you ever seen your mother and father hug and kiss? <gasps> <You> know, <laughs> it was just absolutely unimaginable that they would show affection in front of their children. Um... Whereas you know in Western society it's regarded as common and, and and good, so you know there are yes, we all have families, but there are differences in the way the families interact or the members of the family interact with each other and regard each other and so on
1: okay we've uh, okay uh, we'll take these two then we have
2: uh, this young colleague here and whom um. call.
1: I'm interested
2: in... Um, you have to your, speak up, please. I'm very hard of hearing.
1: <laughs> yes. I'm interested in hearing your uh, thoughts on um, the role of contemporary laws introduced by the state in, um, you know, entering or somehow flashing with um, those social values in traditional Chinese society. Um, so we know that in authoritarian regimes, laws is often introduced as a tool by the state to control society but at the same time it also brings um, (coughs) new expectations of how individuals should behave in relation to others and in their relationship with state officials. So I I would like to hear your thoughts on whether um, contemporary Chinese laws can somehow bring about subtle and gradual social change in the long term or whether it will be contradicted or flashed by traditional
5: um, values. I think my question is actually linked to what you've just been asking, but forgive me, I'm not quite sure what my question is, so let me put it to you. You, you, You're talking about the difference between the ways in which people actually act, the ways they have, and and the things that society says about the way they act. And I'm trying to. The way they should act. Should act, sorry, yes. I'm looking at that in in a different um, cultural context, the Indonesian context, which I know a bit about, I don't know much about China. And the same thing is true there, where society tells you, you act like this, and in fact, people act differently. And one of the results of that is, I think, amongst younger people, a tension between themselves and what you might call society, as determined by those in, in control, that says, you're telling me I'm acting like this, but I know I don't act like this. So how do I relate to you? you you're pushing all this, I mean, just as one example, very close to what you were saying. Indonesian authorities and foreigners writing about Indonesia will say it's a very co- collaborative and cooperative society. Very collaborative or cooperative society where individualism is rejected. Look at traffic. Exactly the same answer you have. This is the most individualistic example of living that I've ever seen. When you ask students about that, on the one hand, and I have done this, do you believe in collaborative society, cooperation? They all say yes. And you say, well, what about these examples? They say, oh, yeah, but that's different. What way different? Well, because we act like that. And there is an increasing, it seems, be disbelief in what society with the government is is telling students about themselves. And I'm not sure where that goes. You can see why I'm saying I'm not quite sure what the question is. But certainly I think in Indonesia there's an increasing tension between the way in which people increasingly are seeing the way they act and the way in which society, the state, is telling them that they act. Well, okay. I think that's related to the the law's business because laws tell you the way. To take
2: your to take your question first. First of all, um, I mean, I guess we I don't know what we can say about the way people drove in 1910 Chicago or in 1893 London. uh, But um, how many can recall when Japanese taxi drivers were called kamikaze? Uh, They were regarded, and and I I, my first ride in a a, a Tokyo taxi in 1959 about 11 o'clock at night going through the streets of Tokyo at 90 kilometers an hour. And that's through small alleys ways as well. Uh, It happens in all societies. Taiwanese were terrible drivers up until the 1990s. They're getting better. Um, Chinese Okay, until very recently, most Chinese did not travel by car. They, and those who did travel by car, had drivers. So they didn't need to worry about driving, they just, you know, they get places. It's only very recently that a lot of people have been driving on their own. Um, and once you're out in society like that, everybody out there, they're all strangers. Have no relation to those people. There's no reason why you should be nice to those people, except a moral reason, which is not really considered. So I think that's that, that, that's one thing. Uh, and I think that again, pe- people will dr- driving will improve in China. Um, maybe maybe the population attention. will be only one billion by the time it happens, but it will improve. I mean, it, it, it's getting it's getting better. Um, in terms of laws, the only law that I can think of is the recent law a few years ago that was passed saying that if you live apart from your parents, uh, and I don't know whether this applies to you as a, as a daughter, rather than Wu as a son, uh, but uh, that you must visit them frequently or often. Um, however, there is often and frequently are not defined, and there was no penalty stipulated in the law for not for, for not doing this. If you want to look for a law that changed things in China, look at the Family Planning Law in the 1980s. That really changed things. And uh, you know, the, China is going to be feeling the consequences for at least the next two generations, I would say, before you get a, in a sense, a rebalancing of the population. Um, fa- laws to change the family. I mean, you can change. I think to go back to Leonta, you can change economic parameters. Uh, you can change maybe the way taxes are are, are collected and so on. Um, in the United States, you can file; husband and wife can file a joint return. In Australia, you can't. I don't think you can anyway. Um, and. That will change the way people, in a sense, uh, manage their their assets, manage their incomes, and so on. Uh, But in terms of changing the family, in a sense, in a moral sense, uh, I think in in some Scandinavian countries, they're trying to outlaw spanking children. They have. They have. They've outlawed it. (laughs) Does it work?
0: (laughs) Most of the time.
2: But does it work because people believe in it? In other words, is the law leading people, or is the law basically affirming what people already believe in? Uh, for, and I think, in a moral sense, that's the that's the way laws work. That they don't work. Look at prohibition in the United States. They pass a law against 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 liquor. Well, it it did an incredible amount to corrupt American society because people simply more, enough people at least did not accept that 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 restriction on their life. So, Steve. is the um,
4: defamation law in uh, Singapore? Because when you go through the tri- uh, three apps, the secret boxes for Singapore, and the Lee Kuan Yew family of the law firm, and they're liking for defamation law as a political tool against their weapons, political weapons against their opponents. But is it more than that? I mean, he went to Cambridge and decided to law there but is there, like, some sort of Chinese
3: value in India, do you think, that would make him choose defamation law to say Fake. It's cultural appropriation. <laughs> uh, it's British. It's British law used by... And it's not in India. You have all the worst laws are all British. <laughs> <laughs> by, definition, by definition.
2: I'm not sure. I, I don't think there's a less majesse law in China, but uh, specifically... But if you do it, I pity you. Um, you know, if you commit it, I pity you. Uh, there would there would certainly be enough enough ways of persecuting some, prosecuting someone who who insulted the leadership. Um, one thing they would do is they would cut off your QQ account. Uh, your, your, you know, your social, your social network account. If you, if you said something nasty, uh, but and they, they can do much, much worse. Uh, yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. Okay, real quick. Yeah. Quick. Thank you very much. Uh, very interesting. I see a lot of similarities with the Latin American culture. If We see free food. We go very fast in a group. We don't drive very fast. Yeah, uh, we drive very fast. I have a question about how I don't know if it, I got it right this idea of the that there is this idea of the Chinese culture as, uh, I call that uh, promotes the collectivization of the, the collectivism instead of individualism how much of that was built in in, in the West by the diaspora the, the Chinese diaspora by the Chinese diaspora of the Chinese communities outside of China because for instance in Latin America, uh, you see that the communities, the Chinese communities outside of China, the Chinese communities in Chile or other countries tend to group and tend to be very collective. So the idea that we have, for instance, in Chile is that Chinese communities are very, very cohesive. they very coll- collective. They protect each other. It's the community instead of the individual. You know?
2: Well, I mean, all migrant communities are this way. Um, there's, a ter- there's a notion in... in uh, uh, in in, in in migration studies of migration paths, so that okay you leave your home and you go to a city and you find yourself a job and so on, and then you uh, let people know back in your village and so on, and so they follow you in this is this is common to migration everywhere everywhere you will get uh, enclaves of migrants from a particular group and so on. Um, and so the migrants sit together because they stick together because everybody else is an outsider um, and because there's mutual assistance uh... and because a lot of people have language problems and so on but in terms of cohesiveness at least with the chinese if you look at southeast asia there wasn't one chinese community overseas there were every 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 place that sent chinese from fuzhou from xiamen from from hainan uh, the Cantonese, uh, the Hakka, they're all—they all, they all had their own institutions. They had their own business associations. They have their own banks. And so, if Mr. Hakka, Cantonese, Leon Leo went to a Hokkien bank to, or to get money, they just laugh at him. Uh, so, I mean, after a while, maybe this, this 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 uh, identification with one's ancestral group may disappear and you'll get it you'll get a difference and so on but otherwise I think this is, this is something which is simply common in, every, in all migrant societies
1: okay that puts us at time please join me in thanking David for <laughs>